This is the Poetry Foundation's Essential American Poets podcast. Essential American Poets is an online audio poetry collection. The poets in the collection were selected in 2006 by Donald Hall when he was Poet Laureate. Recordings of the poets he selected are available online at poetryfoundation.org and poetryarchive.org. In this edition of the podcast, we'll hear poems by Wallace Stevens. During the early part of the 20th century, Wallace Stevens led a quiet life in the suburbs, moving slowly up the ranks of the Hartford Accident and Indemnity Company. All the while, he wrote glittering, opulent, philosophical poems, which led Harold Bloom to call him the best and most representative American poet of our time. Stevens was born in 1879 in Reading, Pennsylvania. He showed an early aptitude for literature, and his father supported his talents by purchasing an extensive home library and encouraging his studies. Stevens showed promise in grade school, graduated from high school with high marks, and went on to attend Harvard University. There, he wrote for the Harvard Advocate, served as an editor of Harvard Monthly, and, as noted by his biographer, he won nearly every literary prize awarded by the university. When his family ran short on funds, Stevens was forced to leave Harvard early. In response, he moved to New York, became a writer for the New York Evening Post, and spent evenings exploring museums, familiarizing himself with the arts, and writing at length in his journal. In 1901, in his early 20s, Stevens decided he would need a stable career and entered the New York School of Law. After graduation, he spent a short time working as a lawyer before taking a job with an insurance company. In 1916, he moved to Connecticut and accepted a position at the Hartford Accident and Indemnity Company. He would work there for 40 years, eventually becoming the company's vice president. For Stevens, writing was a world apart from his career in insurance. His poetry is often philosophical and exhibits an extensive vocabulary and a rigorous technical precision. His poems explore, among other things, the work of the artist, the nature of language, and the fusing of imagination and reality. Stevens is perhaps best known for his widely anthologized poem, Thirteen Ways of Looking at a Blackbird. In his lifetime, he published over a dozen books of poetry. He's also the author of the prose collection, The Necessary Angel, Essays on Reality and the Imagination, published in 1951. Among other honors, Stevens won the Pulitzer Prize and the National Book Award. Wallace Stevens died in 1955. His poetry continues to serve as a major influence upon contemporary poets. The following poems were recorded in 1954 at the YMHA Poetry Center in New York City. The first poem is The Idea of Order at Key West. She sang Beyond the Genius of the Sea. The water never formed to mind or voice. Like a body, holy body, fluttering its empty sleeves, and yet, its mimic motion made constant cry, caused constantly a cry that was not ours, although we understood, inhuman, of the veritable ocean. The sea was not a mask, no more was she. The sung and water were not medleyed sound, 
even if what she sang was what she heard, since what she sang was uttered word by word, it may be that in all her phrases stirred the grinding water and the gasping wind, but it was she and not the sea we heard. For she was the maker of the song she sang, the ever-hooded, tragic-gestured sea was merely a place by which she walked to sing. Whose spirit is this, we said, because we knew it was the spirit that we sought and knew that we should ask this often, as she sang. If it was only the dark voice of the sea that rose, or even colored by many waves, if it was only the outer voice of sky and cloud, of the sunken coral water walled, however clear, it would have been deep air, the heaving speech of air, a summer sound repeated in the summer without end and sound alone. But it was more than that more even than her voice and ours, among the meaningless plungings of water and wind, theatrical distances, bronze shadows heaped on high horizons, mountainous atmospheres of sky and sea. It was her voice that made the sky acutest at its vanishing. She measured to the hour its solitude. She was the single artificer of the world in which she sang. And when she sang, the sea, whatever self it had, became the self that was her song. For she was the maker. Then we, as we beheld her striding there alone, knew that there never was a world for her except the one she sang. And singing made Ramon Fernandez, tell me, if you know, why when the singing ended and we turned toward the town, tell why the glassy lights the lights in the fishing boats at anchor there, as the night descended, tilting in the air, mastered the night and portioned out the sea, fixing emblazoned zones and fiery poles, arranging, deepening, enchanting night. O oh, blessed rage for order, pale Ramon, the maker's rage to order words of the sea, words of the fragrant portals, dimly starred, and of ourselves and of our origins, in ghostlier demarcations, keener sounds.
Not ideas about the thing, but the thing itself. At the earliest ending of winter, in March, a scrawny cry from outside seemed like a sound in his mind. He knew that he heard it, a bird's cry at daylight or before, in the early March wind. The sun was rising at six, no longer a battered panache above snow. It would have been outside. It was not from the vast ventriloquism of sleep's faded papier-mâché. The sun was coming from outside. That scrawny cry. It was a chorister whose sea preceded the choir. It was part of the colossal sun, surrounded by its coral rings still far away. It was like a new knowledge of reality. Infanta Marina. Her terrace was the sand and the palms and the twilight. She made of the motions of her wrist the grandiose gestures of her thought. The rumpling of the plumes of this creature of the evening came to be slights of sails over the sea. And thus she roamed in the roamings of her fan, partaking of the sea and of the evening as they flowed around and uttered their subsiding sound. Fablio of Florida. Bark of phosphor on the palmy beach. Move outward into heaven, into the alabasters and night blues. Foam and cloud are one. Sultry moon monsters are dissolving. Fill your black hull with white moonlight. There will never be an end to this droning of the surf. Bantams in pine woods. Chieftain, if you can, and as can, in caftan of tan with hemmer hackles, halt. Damned universal cock, as if the sun was blackamoor to bear your blazing tail. Fat, 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 fat. I am the personal. 
Your world is you. I am my world. You ten-foot point among inchlings, fat, be gone. An inchling bristles in these pines, bristles and points their Appalachian tangs, and fears not, portly as can, nor is whose. Nomad exquisite. As the immense dew of Florida brings forth the big finned palm and green vine angering for life, as the immense dew of Florida brings forth him and him from the beholder, beholding all these green sides and gold sides of green sides and blessed mornings meet for the eye of the young alligator and lightning colors so in me come flinging forms flames and the flakes of flames indian river the trade wind jingles the rings in the nets around the racks by the docks on indian river it is the same jingle of the water among the roots under the banks of the palmettos. It is the same jingle of the red bird breasting the orange trees out of the cedars. Yet there is no spring in Florida, neither in Boscage, Purdue, nor on the nunnery beaches. That was Wallace Stevens, recorded in New York City in 1954 and used by permission of HarperCollins and Alfred A. Knopf. You have been listening to the Essential American Poets podcast, produced by the Poetry Foundation in collaboration with PoetryArchive.org. To learn more about Wallace Stevens and other Essential American Poets, and to hear more poetry, go to PoetryFoundation.org.